0: Uh, We do these every year. Sometimes we do them more than than once a year, but uh, this fall one, we talk primarily about the the Thanksgiving offering. Uh, It's it's sort of more of a a business meeting, but we call it a vision meeting because that sounds a little bit more exciting, and hopefully more people will stay for it. Um, So uh, we'll we'll talk toward the end about vision in terms of some things we want to do with this year's offering and uh, what we what our, our goals are for the, the offering what our goals are as a church uh, for the, the next 12 months but before that we'd like to talk about the offering itself talk about the goal for the offering and those sorts of things so those of you who have been around the church kind of know how this works but some of you are newer to the church and I want to explain it for you uh, LMCC is supported financially by two different types of giving on the one hand there's tithing which is people who give a set percentage of their income, usually 10% of their gross income, to the church every month. And that's what pays the the bills and uh, supports the majority of the church budget uh, and keeps the lights on. It's tithing, regular giving. In addition to that, once a year we talk about this this other thing, which is special giving, giving above and beyond. Uh, I've never looked at it. Matt might be able to tell you. I actually don't know what percentage of those who participate in the thanksgiving offering also tithe an addition to the tithing or some people probably do just one and not the other uh, but this thanksgiving offering is is uh, for people who whether you tithe or not you give above and beyond extra once a year uh, in response to certain goals that we have um, and also which we're, we're going to talk about those this morning but what's far more important which we talk about for the next two sundays you, you give in response for these spiritual reasons you give in response as a as a issue of gratitude and, and lots of things like that, which you'll hear plenty about later. So I'm not going to spend time talking about that now. Um, the way the offering works is you can either give it all on one lump sum. The date of the offering is um, three weeks from today on November 22nd. So you can give it all at once on 22nd, write a check or process the, the uh, amount online, the gift online, or you can do it over... A period of months, uh, if you'd like to be able to give more than you can give all in one lump sum, and it ends up being about six or seven months if you extend it the whole time. We cut it off at the end of the school year. So up to seven months, it can extend that you're, you're giving this gift against a pledge you make uh, on the 22nd. And uh, we always set a goal for the what the amount will be that we want to either give or pledge combined on the date of the offering, on one single day. As a church, this goal of what we're going to give or pledge, and the goal, setting the goal and and reaching the goal, has become a sort of game uh, for the church. It's this thing of about doing ourselves year after year. Uh, and I've always been very upfront about the fact that we back into the goal amount. We don't look at what does the church need uh, and say, okay, well, this is how much money we need to ask for. It's never been that way. It's always been about. What's the most we think our church can give, whether we need it or not? What's the, what's the highest goal we can set? And then, as a secondary matter, we ask, is there any way that we can back that up in terms of the church's vision? Is there What would we do that, with that money if it did come in? So it's, it's always been very transparent that that's the way we arrive at it. It's based primarily on what we think we can give in comparison to last year's offering, prior year's offering, rather than based on what the church needs so, the goal for this year is one point five million we don 't need that much. Uh, I think we can give that much and it 's fun you know it 's this this fun game of how hard can we push ourselves last year uh, matt 's going to talk more about prior year 's Thanksgiving offerings in a minute last year, we set a goal of eight hundred and forty thousand, which was double the prior year 's goal and we got just above that uh, eight eighty so it was, it was, it was really a really neat thing to see. Uh, 61 persons, individuals or families gave and to have it somehow magically, miraculously come to be exactly the goal amount. Somebody in the church that is an investment banker and good with numbers tried to figure out the probability of that happening and it was absolutely impossible. There was no possible way that as a coincidence it could be that close to the goal amount when nobody's engineering it. Like I've said many times, I don't know what any individual ever gives i never look at that information um so it's it's been fun it's been fun in the past and i want it to be fun again this year and the way we got that 1.5 million number is is not by looking at the church's need but by trying to to keep up with this trend we've had of pushing ourselves at at really um ridiculous almost laughable levels but what what, what we do every year is we have a meeting to decide on what the amount should be the pastors and the ministry leaders. And so it's one of the more fun meetings of the year where we kind of hash it out. And what somebody said at the meeting this year is, well, well who are we to arbitrarily set a lower limit? You know, if we've seen this happen time after time, because it's hard for me, obviously, uh, is even though I've seen it happen time after time to have enough faith to put that goal out there again as the numbers get larger and larger. Um, you know, I, it's, nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to not get the goal. And so it'd be, it's, there's a temptation to set a lower goal and one that we'd have a higher percentage chance of of reaching, um, but what somebody said, and I agree is, who are we to to limit that who are, when this has happened every year before to arbitrarily say you know well this is that 's over now that period of our church is over we 're moving on to the to the quieter, more conservative era of our church uh, it 's not our place to say that so now i 'm going to have Matt come up, and like I said, we look at it from both perspectives now matt 's going to talk about. Uh, if we did get one point five million what that would look like for the church, gonna talk about prior years Thanksgiving offerings as well.
1: All right, thanks. Uh, <laughs> nice. You guys are looking good. Wow. Uh, okay, I'm going to do three things. Uh, I'm going to talk, uh, give a little bit of historical perspective on previous year's Thanksgiving offering with a particular emphasis on last year and how that money was deployed. Second, I'm going to give you a baseline budget for how we're thinking about the LMCC's budget for 2016, which will give you a sense of our need going into next year. And then thirdly, I'm going to lay out a little bit of a vision for what it might look like if we actually got a million and a half dollars. Here you see... I don't know if you can read all these numbers, but the bar charts sort of tell the story. This is the history of the Thanksgiving offering over the last five years. The first first one is $60,000. The next one was $103,000. 2012 was $230,000. 2013 was $430,000. And last year was $879,000. If you've been around the church for a while, this feels as ridiculous as it looks on the chart. I mean, this has doubled every year and church attendance is up significantly over this time as well by the way but church attendance is not up over 1300 percent (laughs) which is the amount of last year's uh, percentage increase over the first year five years ago so this is ridiculous i mean it's absolutely totally ridiculous and we stand here every year at this meeting and say this trend cannot continue at some point it has to break down and we usually say this is probably the year when it breaks down Uh, So maybe it is, but who knows? If the trend kept going like it is, that would mean five years from now we're talking about raising $50 million. That would would mean 10 years from now we're talking about raising a billion and a half. And obviously that sounds impossible, but then again, who knows? I mean, I remember the meeting. I think it was this meeting 2010. It may have been 2011 when Ryan was up here and he said he was looking forward to the day when we as a church would be ready to accept our first $1 million check. And I remember sitting out in the audience and thinking, yeah, right, it's never going to happen. We're talking about a $60,000 Thanksgiving offering. A million dollars is just so far beyond what seemed like the realm of possibilities at the time. So as Ryan said, we don't want to be the ones that say no to this trend. It will break down at some point, but we don't want to be the ones that do it. So we're going to keep putting these goals out there and seeing... Um, what happens? I think the the amazing thing about all of this is that every year we say this trend is probably going to break down, and every year God basically says back to us, you are so small-minded, Uh, because I've got big plans for this little church. And so we, if nothing else, believe that that's true, that God does have big plans for this little church. So I'm excited to see what happens. If you've been around, just a brief history of this. The first year we did this was really about paying down debt. So we really did, Ryan's first year here, we did an offering just to pay down debts and get the fiscal house in order. Then we did a Thanksgiving offering that was really about hiring a full-time children's ministry uh, person. We found Emily. I mean, talk about divine intervention. Um, Emily today has built and is running, I think, probably the best children's church program in Manhattan. And I actually don't think that's an exaggeration. If you know of one better, tell me about it and we'll copy what they're doing. Um, The Thanksgiving offering after that was about moving Ryan and his family to lower Manhattan, and they've been down here the last two or three years. And I, I actually think the benefits of to our church of having them and their family living down here, going to schools down here have been incalculable to our church, so well worth it. The last couple of years we've done some smaller things like opening a church office, which we never had before, and things like that, and we've also been able to start to build up a little bit of a modest war chest, which you'll see in a second, and actually feel really excited about the fact that we have some savings, and as I said, I think we feel conviction over not a lot in terms of what to do with that money, other than the fact that we think God does have big plans for this church and I actually think it'll be interesting and exciting to see what God tells us to do with with the money that we're building up. Uh, you can click ahead one slide. This will just give Ryan walk through these numbers. This is just a brief reminder of what happened last year. We set a goal at 840. The pledge amount was 883. And of the amount pledged, we brought in, get this, 99.4% of what was pledged actually came in. Everything that happened last year was ridiculous. I actually think the most ridiculous thing that happened last year is this 99.4%. I've just never heard of a fundraiser where people pledge one amount, especially when numbers are getting this big, and then what actually comes in is 99.4%. It's just—it's crazy. It's totally crazy. Um, we, uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about how we've deployed the money that came in last year. Um, we've done this every year since we've done the Thanksgiving offering, and it's, it's, it's part of what makes this entire exercise so crazy is we've given away a third of it. A third of what comes in, we've just given away to outside organizations. And as I said, this is just totally absurd. I mean, this is probably the single most absurd act of faith that this church makes. It's it's arguably the single most absurd act of faith that I've ever heard any church making. I mean, this is a crazy church. Who talks about politics like Ryan just did in church? And then we have a meeting afterwards where we're talking about money. I mean, this church is crazy. You're all offended, and now we're talking about money. But this is... This is the single, I think it's the single most absurd leap of faith we've taken, which is that we've said every year, a third of the Thanksgiving offering, we're just going to turn around and give away to outside organizations. That simply does not happen. If you've been around fundraisers for a while, if you've been around business for a while, uh, first of all, in the corporate world, it's considered incredibly generous if a corporation gives away 1% or 2% of the bottom line of profits into some kind of corporate philanthropic effort. And here we're saying we're going to give away a third of the top line of what comes in before we spend it on anything else we're just going to give away to outside organizations. So it's incredibly absurd most nonprofits don't give away anything because they think well we're a nonprofit. Churches do a lot of, you know, a lot of churches do kind of missionary support and some church planning. I've just never heard of a church that that with our size spends this kind of money just to bless and keep Uh, other organizations in our neighborhood up and running. If you were here in in June, you heard from a lot of these organizations directly. I would just say that you ought to look at this list and feel really good. These are real organizations. These are real churches that we're supporting, that are supporting real people that are helping to build the kingdom of God and support the kingdom of God in New York City in very real and tangible ways. And arguably, a lot of this work would not be happening without our support. And we're going to keep doing this every year for two reasons. First of all, because we think that we want, we want to as a church embody the same kind of generosity that all of you have have shown. So we think it'd be ironic, we think it'd be borderline disobedient if we said give, give, give and then as a church we just hoarded everything that came in. So we want to continue to model that the same generosity that all of you are showing. And secondly, we actually think this might be one of the main reasons why God has continued to bless the Thanksgiving offering every year. So we certainly don't want to mess with that. We think that maybe God is saying because you've been so generous, I will continue to be generous with with this church. So that's what we spent a third of the money on last year, about $290,000 to this list of organizations that you see. You can click ahead one slide. Uh, Secondly, we spent another, about a third, just to sort of fill the budget gap. So what's happened every year is we've used the Thanksgiving offering to grow the budget, and the budget, therefore, has grown by a larger amount than regular giving. So some of the things we've done, like adding full-time staff, moving the holidays to Lower Manhattan, it's grown the budget, our church office has grown the budget by a larger amount than regular giving. Regular giving is up, it's up about 20% this year, but historically we've had to use some of the Thanksgiving offering just to sort of plug a hole in the budget versus what comes in from regular giving. We actually projected that we would need about $280,000 from last year's Thanksgiving offering. This year we only needed uh, 232, so we came in uh, a bit better, considerably better than, than what we projected. Uh, you can click ahead one more. We spent a little bit of the money on new initiatives. Um, we hired Randa. Is Randa still here? There she is. We've hired Randa as a part time. If you don't know Randa, you're going to need to get to know her. Randa's doing some administrative and operational support for the church. That basically means she's going to be running the church. And uh, she came on this summer, and we are incredibly grateful to have her helping out. So that was probably, at least for me, the most exciting thing that we did with with last year's Thanksgiving offering. Uh, We had to replace our, our van. We had to replace some of this equipment just in terms of upgrading it. Uh, Some of the temporary venues we were forced to use over the summer cost us a little bit of money. We upped our marketing budget to, I think, about $35,000, which is still pretty modest, but we were able to do some pretty cool stuff. By the way, uh, you guys are great at inviting friends to the church, but nothing has ever been as effective as sending out postcards. So we've done that a bit more this year, and we'll probably do one or two more between now and the end of the year. And finally, we've uh, hopefully you've noticed this—we've sort of improved the quality of the events this year. So the pumpkin patch yesterday, the Easter egg hunt, were both in this building, which cost us a little bit of money. But we've just sort of tried to improve the quality of these events to better uh, serve our community. That left about 200—you can click 270,000 dollars of dry powder just for savings. So we have about 270,000 dollars more in the bank today than we had a year ago, which I feel pretty good about. Uh, click ahead one more. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and just talk about our budget for next year. This is kind of a a baseline, high-level budget for our church for next year. This is pretty simplified into broad categories. If anybody really cares, uh, I'm happy to meet with you one-on-one, and I can walk you through how every single dollar is spent. We, We certainly don't want to be accused of being uh, opaque or anything like that. Uh, this is not our money. This is not your money either, by the way. This is God's money. So we want to be totally upfront with how we're spending the money. But, of course, in a meeting like this, I also don't want to be overbearing and give you a line-by-line budget. This is five big categories. The first is is just payroll and benefits. So we have eight people on our payroll now. Three of them are full-time. That's Ryan, Emily, and Kara. And this includes their salary. For the holidays, it includes the housing. For the holidays, it also includes health benefits. For Emily, it includes health benefits and salary. And then we have uh, five part-time people on staff now. That's Randa, that's Nick, that's uh, Matt Hamill, Matt Gallagher, and Angel. Um, and so that's the, uh, that's the 360. The next big category is, is 185 just to, just to run what you see here every Sunday morning. So obviously the biggest chunk of that is rent to this space. That includes the bagels in the back. That includes paying the children's workers. That includes the, actually the entire children's program. So VBS and things like that are in there. And then the music, music, musicians, the next category is uh, church community that's things that's things we do for ourselves uh, for our own congregation so that includes the events like the uh, retreat that includes the summer picnics that includes uh, baby dedication. Um, uh, you know, it, it lunches and dinners after the service. It also includes uh, what we sort of categorize as benevolence, but things we do to support the body of Christ that's here with us. So some of the things we've done in recent years, we've rolled out this counseling reimbursement program, which is incredibly popular, and a lot of people are taking advantage of this now, but we reimburse for half of counseling costs, no questions asked, if you need it. Uh, we've given scholarships to retreats. We pay for babysitters during the week so that people can go to small group. And all the point of all of this is just to make sure that cost is not a prohibiting factor for you being engaged in the body of Christ. And I actually think that there's probably, you'd have a hard time convincing me that there's any better way to spend money for LMCC. Um, These programs are incredibly popular, as I said, and I'm excited about that. This has grown by a lot, by the way, over the years, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Then the last two categories are outreach and events. That's things we do to reach out to the community. That's the pumpkin patch, the Easter egg hunt, and that's our advertising budget. And then the last one is our church office. So we, By the way, two years ago, we did not have a church office. Ryan was writing all of his sermons in a closet. Which was not a walk-in closet, by the way, he could sort of sit in there, but there really wasn't space. And all of our church meetings were meeting in his apartment or somebody's apartment. And so now we have, we're sharing an office space with a Tamid. We have two walled offices, a conference room and some shared common space, which is getting used six, if not seven days a week, um, and a lot of times in the evening. So we're getting a lot of use out of that. It's 3,000 dollars a month, and it's a great it's been great for the church. Uh, so that's kind of the last category there is our office and, and office supplies. The point of this slide is to show you that as a church next year, just to continue doing everything we're doing, we'll spend about seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars. That's basically a flat budget. We'll probably come, if 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 not a tick lower, we'll probably come in around seven hundred and forty this year. Some of that is one-time stuff. So this is basically a flat budget. Just to continue doing everything you see us doing now, is will cost us about. $730,000, we project that we'll take in around $450,000 through regular giving, which leaves us with a, a, a gap of around $280,000. Make sense? Good. Okay. Uh, one more slide, and then I'll turn it back to Ryan. This is just to lay out a little bit of a vision for what it might look like if uh, $1.5 million actually came in. Again, the first thing we would do, as we've done every year, is we would give away a third of it. That's $500,000 that we would turn around and give away. Remember, I just said that our entire operating budget for next year is $730,000. So we're talking about giving away an amount that's basically 70% of what it's going to take just to run the church. That's so absurd. That's so unheard of that I, I said this last year, but I still think this is... What part of what God can use to help put this church on the map. I just think it's crazy. I've never heard of a church doing this kind of thing. Actually, to be honest, this is the part of the Thanksgiving offering that I've become most excited about, just because I think it's so crazy. I don't know what God can do with us spending $500,000 in our community, but I'm excited to see it. We'll pray a lot, obviously. I think God could do some really cool things for, for New York City if we if we had these kind of resources to deploy. Then we'd fill the budget gap, as I said. And lastly, we'd have about $700,000, maybe a bit more, to spend on new initiatives. And, and there, you know, I don't know what we would do with it. I mean, like Ryan said, there's, there's some ideas we have. There's nothing we need. Um, but I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see what God would, would convict us to do with this money if it came in. We could hire another full-time pastor living in lower Manhattan. We certainly don't need that today. We can continue doing everything you see us doing now as we're doing it. But I think, as Ryan may talk about in a minute, we could maybe do some interesting things if we had another full-time person. Uh, One thing we could do is maybe pay a bit more, either rent here or somewhere else, to have some consistency in terms of Sunday morning venue space. I actually personally think this is maybe the one that's the most important to us. If you think about kind of what's holding back growth for the church, I think consistency on Sunday morning has to be at or near the top of the list. Uh, We could think about more marketing. We could think about uh, maybe saving for a long-term lease someday. You know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, like i said i think what 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 we um uh d- d- what we're sure of is that we think god has big plans for this church what we're not sure of is exactly what that's going to look like so i think i'm done talking anything else you want me to say nice
0: let me say just a word about all four of those things you see uh they're coming, and they're back. Uh, there is w- what we could do with the, the 720,000 remaining on the second full-time pastor living in the neighborhood. Uh, the, so a, a pastor's responsibilities can basically be broken down into three big categories: preaching and leading and pastoring. The preaching that's obvious, the leading is kind of the executing and, and running the organization, and then the, the pastoring is caring for people. Of those, I spend the the most of my time and attention on the preaching, and then the leading, kind of trying to to keep the church on course, is the one that I spend the second most amount of time on. And then the the pastoring piece is the part that I'm the worst at, as as any of you who have come to me for counseling already know. Um, I'm just... Just not as as warm and fuzzy as a pastor should be. Um, so, what we want is someone who can be that that person. Um, and and specifically, a couple of big areas: community groups, leading community groups. So, community groups are the most important thing that happens at our church. I always say that. Um, but the way they happen, what we've basically just been very blessed. I don't want to call it luck, but we we have a lot of great community group leaders who didn't learn to be good community group leaders at our church. They just happened to be that before they ever came to our church. I never trained them to do anything. I never check in on them. It just kind of, the whole thing just kind of happens. And People sign for group, and I'm like, oh, you can go on this group over here, or this group over here. So it's, it's all sort of haphazard, and it's been fine so far. If the church continues to grow, we're going to need somebody owning that piece, that community group's piece. The other big piece would be ministry teams, helping to get people involved in ministry and serving in the church according to their gifts. We don't really have that piece right now. And then the last one would be discipleship, which is helping people, giving them to support to grow in their Christian walk, which I don't do a great job of that. Either You know, we have the sermons, we have the groups, but in terms of these resources, in terms of what's the next step for me to get to the next level in my faith, I would love to have a person that's thinking full-time about That um, Developing the people within our church. And living downtown, you know, obviously it would be cheaper to have them live somewhere else. But like Matt said, um, the the change in the relationship between me and the church has been very dramatic once that happened. Before it was kind of like I was an independent contractor almost. I was only in this neighborhood for two hours a week. Um, and come in and and preach, and you know just fly by preaching, and then go back um, and now, with having kids and being in school and the it's it 's more of like a just it 's a total full life immersive thing you know, I never go out without seeing somebody from the church or seeing somebody that we know from school that we 're wanting to come to the church um, it 's our whole family now, our whole family is involved in it it 's not just me, but Brittany. As well, it's, it's now, instead of it being an independent contractor thing, it's more of like this two-way ownership thing, where I feel a very strong sense of ownership toward the church, but I also feel like the church owns me in a, in a good way. Um, and so, yeah, it's mostly good. Um, so I, it'd be cool to be able to do that with, with somebody else. Uh, on the second one, the, the 52-week Sunday morning venue space, this... We love this space. Who doesn't love this space? You know, it's an amazing space. We had to move 12 times last year, so once a month. Um, It obviously wasn't evenly distributed, but it ended up being once a month. And I just am getting tired of that. You guys have been great about it. It's not so much for our regulars. I know you guys are willing to put up with it and check the website and check your email and everything. It's more for new people who, and you inviting your friends, you know, where one Sunday out of four you don't know exactly what you're going to get and you don't know what the logistics are going to be. Uh, I I just am tired of that, and I think it's worth some money to try to remedy that. The other issue, this is actually the bigger issue about this venue, is, like Matt said, the uh, children's ministry, we have the best children's ministry in Manhattan. It's the only thing we have the best of. You know, we don't have the best preaching in Manhattan. We don't have the best music, although our music is amazing, but we do have the best kids program. And what, what we could do is just be content and say, all right, well, so we don't need to worry about that because that's already covered. What I would rather do is double down on that and say, well, what's it going to take to make it even better? And, you know, what's, the, what's holding it back? What's holding it back right now is with uh, f- between 50 and 60 kids over in one space, uh, the sound is actually such that the, the kids can't even hear their teachers, uh, we, we have the best kids program in Manhattan, and the kids can't even hear their teachers. I mean, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> and novel idea, you know, fixing that and making people actually able to hear one another would be huge. And the only way we could do that at this venue is if they somehow allowed us to have on-site storage and store uh, portable walls. We're going to explore that. We're going to come to this venue and say, what is it going to take financially for us to be here 52 weeks a year and for us to have walls for the kids program? uh and if they say yes and we that's doable then great we want to stay here if not both of those are actually deal breaker issues for us as much as we love this space and this view and as hard as it would be to leave they're just both have become big enough problems that we would have to find somewhere else unfortunately so that's that one the third one uh larger marketing budget to raise our vis- visibility i i uh, like matt said something one of the things he was talking about he said this is the best use of money uh, i 'm not disagreeing with that, whatever it was he said i can't remember at the moment, but I think the what I get most excited about spending money on is is marketing and advertising because it amazes me. it just absolutely shocks me that we can spend dollars just dollars, and people can come and be part of the family of God for the first time. That, that conversion, converting dollars into people, I will take that deal all day long. And I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how inefficient it is. I will do that all day long. Because long, long run, long term, it is so worth it. So I would love to spend more on marketing than we already do. Um, there's so much misunderstanding on this subject within the church. You know, you hear churches brag about, Well, we don't do any marketing. We don't do any advertising. And my response to that was great for you, but think how much better you could have done than you're doing already if you had done some marketing and some advertising. Um, We have the best product in the world, and that doesn't mean that we don't need to sell it. That just means we need to do the best job selling it. We have that much more of a reason to get out there and do everything we can. And the last one, and this is the one that that we feel the least amount of conviction about at the moment, but we're putting it up there, which is, uh, if, even if we did all three of those first three things, it wouldn't add up to 720000 And so what are we saving toward? One potential thing we could be saving toward, this wouldn't be this year, this wouldn't be next year, this wouldn't be the year after, would be we, we could be saving toward a 24-7 lease at some point in a permanent home where we're we, on the street, people are walking by, our church actually lives somewhere. Uh, That it's not a matter of conviction, like I said, at this point. It's not like we think this is what God wants us to do, and we don't know what that money is going to be for, like Matt said. that's The, the thing that comes to mind is that. That's the first thing that you can think of, but it could be something totally different than that, and that's a couple of years away. If, it, if we did ever do that, if we did ever decide to have an actual church home, that's not something that we could do in, in one Thanksgiving offering. That's something that would be built up over several Thanksgiving offerings. So maybe it's that, or maybe it's something else of similar magnitude. We're not sure yet. Uh, a couple of things I'll say as we wrap this up and then I'll open it up for questions. The first thing I want to say is if all these details help you, that's great. And you should use them to kind of motivate you uh, to give. If they don't help you, then you just ignore them. And I say this every year, but you know, the reason we do this is because it does excite some people to be able to look at the specifics and say, this is what the money's going to be used for. But others of you, you're, you're like, well, I don't think we should spend the money on that. Or I don't, I think that's too much. Or I think we should be doing this instead. And that's, absolutely fine. It just If you feel that way, just ignore all this and just give for, for personal reasons and for other reasons. I've told you guys this story before when Brittany and I were first married. So this is nine years ago now. Uh, over 18 months, we gave to a, a giving commitment like this at our church. Over an 18-month period, we gave an amount that was equal to our combined annual salary. So a huge amount of money for us at the time. And the purpose of the money was to build a building that I didn't care about at all. I didn't even necessarily think should or needed to be built. But I gave because it was my church. It was my church, so it was my job to give. That's all I worried about. And you don't have to worry about the rest. You know, I have to answer to God. I have to be accountable to God for what's done with the money And that strikes fear into me. But you don't have to worry about that. You have to worry about being held accountable to God for what did you do with what I gave you? And did you give as much as you could possibly give and then more? So that's the first thing is if it helps you, great. If it doesn't help you, then don't worry about it. And the second thing I'll say is just if if you can think of something that's more important to give to, then give to that. Instead, and I don't mean that in like a punk, like, jerk way, you know, of, like, this is obviously the most important thing. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's, do. I, I don't care. I just want you to give. And that's what you're going to be uh, convinced of, I think, in these next two sermons. Those of you that have been around, you've heard a lot of this material before. It's review now. Um, but it's the thing is to give. So our church is here. Our church is God's representative in your life. And I think it makes sense to give to our church for that reason. I think it makes sense to give to this church because... Things are happening here, you know. Despite how flawed and imperfect this church is, and despite how many things, how many mistakes we make, the fact that lives are being changed here, that families are being transformed here, I think that's worth giving to. And it, like I was saying about the marketing, it amazes me, and I actually love the fact that it takes money to do that. You know, uh, some guys, some pastors would be like, "Oh, I just hate the the fundraising part of it." And my view is well, A, it's not fundraising to begin with. And B, I love it. I love that it takes, that it's just so much like God to say, well, this eternal thing, I'm going to require something temporal to do it. This thing of absolute and infinite value, I'm going to require something of no absolute value to get it done. I love that it takes money because what it means is that you get to be involved in it, you get to take credit for it, you get to be rewarded for it, you get to join your life into this. So I, I personally can't think of uh, anything more important than giving to a church, which is why 100% of Brittany and I's philanthropic efforts, if you want to call that, all our giving goes to to churches. But if you if you have something else, great. It, it's fine by me. Just make sure you are giving aggressively and, and, and with as much faith as we're encouraging you to give here. So, uh, we'll hear more about all that that other more spiritual stuff over the next two weeks as you all know if you've been around uh, but with that i want to open it up for questions any questions at all either about the thanksgiving offering or about the operation of the church the budget anything yeah gene uh, yeah is there, is that, uh, not at the moment that we, we would go to the art academy uh, and explore that first there's some potential reasons that might not work out but when we found this venue, we looked at 80 different venues and only one of the 80 ended up being a viable option. options. Like we chose between this and something else. This was the only one that was uh, even available. And so uh, it would be the same thing again. We'd have to make a list of 80 to a hundred venues and, and go through that. And maybe this time there'd be two or three that might work. What's hard is that we already uh, went through the first 80, you know, so now we're, we're going to the next 80 to hundred after that. Um, so yeah, if at all possible, we'd like to stay here. We'll, we'll, uh, the Art Academy is our next choice. It doesn't have the same views, but what it does have is separate classes for the kids, which we love and we love the location. And then after that, it's anybody's guess. We, we'll be staying downtown. That's the only thing I do know. Other questions? Yes, Mike. Yes. Yeah, so uh, as Matt mentioned, Kara came on, has been on full-time for about a year now. And for the months leading up to the all that money being dispersed, that actually was her full-time job. She didn't do anything else but that for those months. Uh, but this year, it might be such that depending on her other responsibilities, we might need to bring in somebody else as well to assist her in that. So she would still be heading it up uh, since she's the one that did it last year. And she did it, obviously, with a committee of people. Um, but, yeah, with five hundred thousand, if we had to spend you know twenty or thirty thousand for a part time person for a period of time to make sure it was invested as wisely as possible, then there 'd definitely be an argument to be made for that. Yeah, so, I sorry, I've been forgetting to repeat the questions for the recording. The questions were, uh, what's the size of the church right now, and how big do we want the church to be? Um, so the church right now, you can measure it a couple of different ways. You can measure it with Sunday morning attendance, which is 150 adults and 50 kids on average right now, which is up about 30% over last year, so that's a pretty high rate of growth. You can measure it in community groups, which is about 120 adults now. You could measure it as the total number of people who call OMCC their church home, which is like you know, 300, 400 adults and maybe 150 kids. As far as how big we want to be, yeah, there is no upper limit to that. Um, I, I've, I think I've shared this with you all before, um, but maybe haven't shared it in a while. You know, Just like I don't believe in this idea that churches shouldn't advertise, I also don't believe in this idea that small churches are better than large churches. I've been a part of several large churches. I've been a part of several small churches. There's good things about both, but on the whole, large churches are able to leverage a lot of things. They're able to take advantage of a lot of economies of scale, and they're able to be more intentional about a lot of aspects of the Christian life. So I love our church the size it is right now. I love knowing everybody. I love getting to be a part of everybody's life. Um, I don't see our church staying... That way, I think you would be selfish uh, for me personally, for all of you it 's better to stay this size i don 't want to go to two services, for instance you know i 'm a, a very lazy person, and the thought of doing the sermon twice, I hate that idea you know that sounds that sounds terrible, um, but it 's not just like it 's not my place to say oh we, the, the offering should be here it 's not my place to say, "Oh, the church should only grow." this large, and I think it's not just, you know, setting a limit on it, it's also, I think we do have a responsibility, um, a a sacred obligation to try to get the church as large as we can, because of the importance of, of what we're doing here, and like I said, because of the selfishness of, well, let's just keep this this thing for ourselves because we like it small, you know, that's fine if you want to do that with your favorite restaurant, you know, but, or your favorite band, but you can't do that with a church. It's just, it's just too important. And so, no, there would be no upper limit to the size. Uh, I, I'd love to keep growing at 30 or 40% um, as long as we could, which would mean that in five, you know, Matt talked about the, the growth of the, Offering and how that gets absurd at some point, but I don't. I don't see it as absurd at all that six or seven years from now we'd be a church of a thousand people. And I think that if we do what we're supposed to do, we probably will be. Which is why th- this money is necessary. You know, to to get to that place, you, you would need. You're gonna. There's gonna be some pretty major expenses at various points. Other questions. Uh, no, we don't. Unfortunately, um, we we've kind of been. You, we haven't been aggressively looking for the last year. We've just kind of been kicking around and uh, nothing's come up. So it'll have to be kind of like I was talking about with the venue. We already went through kind of a few potential options and now it's just a full on search. And so we we don't have any thought there. And we, we actually didn't really have the financial cover to do it until now. Other questions about anything about the offering, about the budget, about where the church is going in the future? Anything at all? Yep. Yeah, so uh, missions is defined different ways in in different places, in different churches. So there's one definition of missions, which is uh, taking the gospel to countries in which the Uh, Are not predominantly Christian, you know. So we're going to send these missionaries to Thailand, for example, which is where I was a missionary for a little while. Uh, The other way you can define mission is just in terms of sending out and trying to make a difference in the world, both in terms of sharing the gospel message, but also in terms of having a positive impact on society and and caring for these groups that God talks so much about, the poor and the oppressed. And and, and the, those aren't uh, two separate things. The reason we think those two things are connected is because nobody cares what you have to say until they see that you care about them and you care about their needs and you're actually doing something to help. Um, so that's been kind of the shift in Christian missions over the last couple of decades. The message is still being preached, but it's preached along with deeds. And I would consider the whole of that 292000 that we give kind of our missions budget. Some of that is... Uh, more deeds oriented, helping people in more tangible ways. Some of it is for other churches in the city that are getting started and are uh, like, you know, the church in the Bronx that we support, Restoration Church, Rich, who's come here several times um, and preached and everybody, you you guys have all gotten to know and love and care for him. And when he and I have sat down and and talked this through, what he says is our church will just never be able to be self-sustaining because of the demographics of our neighborhood we're never going to be able to draw enough money from our neighborhood to have a church here but we think that there should be a church there and so we're able to come alongside of them and help make that happen and the gospel is being preached and it's being preached in a, so you know it's the bronx it's not india uh, but it's being preached in a place where there aren't churches preaching the gospel so in, in that sense it's still missions as far as international missions uh, it hasn't been a huge focus up to this point, but that's not a matter of conviction, like we don't think that's important. Part of it has to do with being in New York City. Uh, a lot of churches that are in New York City tend to focus on the city because every nation of the world is already here. So if you influence people that are here and then they go back to their country, that can be more influential than sending a missionary who's never lived there before to that country and try to learn the culture and all that. That's part of why we focused on the city with all of our outside giving, but that could change potentially in the future. Yeah, those have been great. We are, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we want to do them uh, at least once a quarter, and then eventually it'd be great to do them. Part of it is it, it uh, once community groups start, you know, there's groups every night of the week. So the idea is for those to be these gatherings where all community groups come together for one night. So we're at least once a quarter... And then eventually, hopefully more often than that, you know, then we'll do it every eight weeks and every six weeks and and ramp it up. But yeah, those have been a really necessary addition, I think, to kind of our our stable of events. And it's been really cool to see that happen. Somebody? Yes. Yeah, we are. So uh, thanks for asking that. And thanks for remembering that. We talked about that a couple of years ago at Justice Center. Um... And that, I have, what I meant to mention is that would be another potential use of the bottom 720 of the long-term. What we realized is that that was going to take a lot more money than we thought it was going to. It wasn't something that we could... And my initial thought was, well, you know, we could start with fifty or $60,000 and just hire a person full-time, and boom, we have a, a Justice Center overnight. And we looked into it a little bit and turned out that that wasn't really going to be helpful to anybody It would be a lot more strategic, which is why we do this with all of our money right now, a lot more strategic to give that money to another justice center rather than than hiring our person. So when we get into bigger amounts of money, more serious, then that would be something that we could potentially do in-house at LMCC. but we're realizing now that that would potentially be a couple of years away still. Other questions? Somebody else has got another good question, I know. Oh, well, we'll just stay here, tall. all. <laughs> I, I, I need one more question. Anything. Anything. All right. You win. Uh, so we'll talk about giving for the next two weeks on Sunday's. And then on uh, three weeks from today, we'll do the offering. The goal is to give $1.5 million. Thanks for sticking around.